Welcome to the Teachers Matter podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and wisdom to inspire your teaching and enhance your life. We'll go beyond the theory by sharing tips, tools, and actions that will help you to create a positive difference in your life at home and school. With your hosts, Karen Tui Boys and Megan Gallagher. Hi, and welcome back to the Teachers Matter podcast. I'm Karen Tui Boys from Spectrum Education, and I'm a champion for lifelong learning. Gilda, I'm Megan Gallagher. I'm a teacher, a coach, a writer and I'm passionate about teacher wellbeing. Today, we're going to be talking about self-compassion. Big topic today. Meg, what is self-compassion? Hey, look, self-compassion is about being your own best friend. It's really about being warm and understanding towards ourselves, particularly when things don't go well, when we're suffering or when we feel inadequate. Mm. It's about that, you know, we, we often tend to beat ourselves up. Sometimes we're really mean to ourselves. And this is the opposite of being mean to ourselves. Okay. So it's about, I like that, being your best own best friend. Yeah, speak to yourself like someone you love. Yes. I've said that for years. You know, if your best friend said to you what you say to yourself on a daily basis, how long would they be your best friend? Oh, yeah. So be nice to yourself. Basically. Great. Okay. So... What are we going to talk about around this? Well, I think it's about really understanding some of the behaviours that we have that aren't self-compassionate first. Okay. You know, like the classic burnt shop syndrome? Oh, I love the burnt <laughs> shop. I heard Lisa O'Neill speak about this years and years ago. And Lisa, it's not her concept, but I heard her speak about it. Lisa talked about having four children, and I just bowed down to her for that anyway. <laughs> uh, and I've got two. And there are times when parenting is difficult and hard, uh, but you see, as a mother and as a parent, we often leave ourselves to last. We often give everybody else everything first and leave ourselves to last. So what the burnt chop syndrome is, is that Lisa said she would put four, uh, the, the five, six, six plates, because husband and her, so four children, six plates out to dish out the dinner. And normally what would happen is if there's one burnt chop, so you just give it to yourself because you go, oh, I just can't be bothered with the hassle, the, uh, the moaning and groaning, uh, everything else. So you just give yourself the burnt chop and don't worry about it. But she said, you've done all the work. You've done cooked all that dinner. And it's like the little red hen mm-hmm. who asked everybody to help make the bread and nobody wanted to help, but they all wanted to eat it. And it's like, no, that's not fair. So she said she puts out the plates and then she thinks of the four children, which one don't I like today? And look, let's... <laughs> I love this. this, I love this. Uh, Which one don't I like today? Now, you know, some of them just annoy us, right? Uh, And so she said she gives them the burnt chop. She doesn't say anything, but she just puts the burnt chop and she gives herself the best chop because she did all the work, like the little red hen. And then at dinner time, when somebody goes, how come I got the burnt chop? She goes, I don't know. Just happened. (laughs) But she knows that she's getting the best one. She did the work. I think that's brilliant. And the other thing with that is it's that's those small acts of self-compassion that actually makes you a happier, healthier person around the people that you're you're around. You know, like I remember Celia Lashley talking to us at the Teachers Matter conference a number of years ago, and she talked about in teaching, we're in the giving profession. So we're giving and giving and giving and giving all the time. And that we run the risk if we continue to give and give and give, that we will bleed out and then we'll have nothing left to give. 
in, in which case we need to get out of teaching because we'll actually be doing damage. And that was like a light bulb moment. I could hear when she talked about it in the room, everybody just went completely silent. Went, Crikey. And I think for us, that, that burnt chop syndrome is something that's really present in the giving professions because mm. we're used to giving, but we're not used to receiving and certainly not receiving from ourselves. We think it's selfish. Yes. But it's actually not. It's actually allowing us to then be able to give more and to do more and to be more for the other people. And like the burnt chop, you know, if I eat well, you know, I eat the best chop, I'm going to be better fueled so then I can be nicer to everybody else around me. Yes. And then you don't have that, that feeling of uh, resentment mm. that uh, you know, everyone else gets the best stuff and I don't, but it's like, actually, I did the work. I deserve it. I'm going to look after myself today. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think one of the other parts of this is about the whole idea of comparison, that you don't want to – I saw your eyes roll. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, um, we often compare ourselves with mm. everybody else and I love the quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you can see it, you know, the Pinterest perfect classrooms. I can, I can look through, you know, look through Pinterest or look through magazines and, and, you, and feel bad about myself <laughs> in, an, in a heartbeat, in an instant. I feel terrible. And it's, and it's because I'm self-judging and, and I'm taking away that, that appreciation of what it is that I offer, what it is that I do well. And so, you know, I think that if we can shift that dialogue, so from comparison to appreciation, mm. you know, when we look at the Facebook feeds or the social media feeds of these perfectly curated lives, to appreciate the good that's happening in other people's lives, understand that there's a whole lot of other stuff underneath there that probably isn't fantastic, but you wouldn't take a photo of it and put it on Facebook, but appreciate the good that's happening there and then translate that to your own life and say, what, what good's happening in my life? when we go and visit somebody's classroom, appreciate the awesome stuff that's going on in there rather than sit there and go, mm, I'm, I'm not very good, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the next thing, I wish I was more like this person. Actually go mm. back and say, I, I really appreciate all of these things that this person's doing. I really like that I'm doing this, this and this. And I've learned these things from this person and I'm going to take them on board. But you do it from a place of appreciation as opposed to a place of comparison, which is, is about lacking Mm, and, mm. and that negative energy. Yeah, absolutely. So I know one of the things Meg talks about is uh, this. You know, what, what do you see when you look in the mirror as well? Oh. And <laughs> it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, and do you see uh, the lines on your face? Do you see the wrinkles? Because I do. Mm. <laughs> and but what do you say about the lines on the face? Because I love this. The lines on the face are really like a map. They're like a record of the joys and sorrows you've mm. had to date. And, and it's okay, you know, like, I know we sit there and say, oh, well, we should be having happy lines and not sad lines, but actually a really rich lived life is one of ups and downs. And this is a map of that. And aren't we lucky to have lived long enough to have wrinkles? You know, so many people don't get to experience yeah. the wonderful rich lived lives we've had that have allowed us to get these wrinkles. Mm. And it's like the stretch marks. It's like looking at our bodies. And so for those of us who have had children, for example, I've, I've nurtured a life in here. That's amazing, isn't that an incredible body? For, for those of us who can get up and walk around, appreciate the fact that our legs carry us and they carry us through our days. And some of those days are really busy, heavy days. We've got a lot to carry and our body does that for us. So it's, it's that appreciation of all that we have as opposed to what we don't have. Yeah. 
So I think that's that's really important. And being able to, I think part of the self-compassion is also about being able to forgive yourself. You know, we're not perfect. You don't, we don't have the Pinterest classroom. We don't have the Pinterest house. Sometimes we try, but you know, it's just, we, we're, we're humans, we're having a human experience, right? So this idea that we just need to forgive ourselves when we make mistakes or get things wrong or screw up, it's like, it's part of being human. Absolutely. And have you ever been to a course and you're sitting there, I do this often as a teacher, and somebody says something and you go, oh, that's amazing. I wish I'd been doing that 20 years ago. Why didn't I do that? Oh, my goodness, I could have made such a difference for this child. I could have been a better teacher by now, blah, 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 blah. And in that moment, we can, we can take on the learning and then appreciate the fact that we now know better so we can do better, the lovely Maya Angelou quote. You know, like it's about being able to say, yeah, that if I'd known that, yes, I could have done X, Y, and Z. I didn't know that then, but I do know that now. So now I can do better. Mm. And and forgiving ourselves for what we didn't know, because we couldn't possibly know everything there is to know in the world. None of us knows everything there is to know even in education, and that's one small part of the world. And we're always learning and always growing. And so is the the knowledge bank of the world. You know, scientists are continually discovering new things. And so being a little bit forgiving of who we were 20 years ago when we were doing the best we could with what we knew then. I think the same thing as in parenting. So uh, absolutely, because it's so easy to go, oh, I wish I'd done that with my children or I wish I'd uh, done that, you know, earlier for anything. So one of the things I often talk about, though, is the idea of the butterfly. And when the butterfly is in the cocoon, it's the struggle as it comes out that allows it to strengthen its wings and to fly. So our children to struggle, knowing the struggles that cause the lines on the face, the struggles that cause sometimes our stress are actually sometimes extremely important moments to be able to make ourselves strong so that we can cope with the next one or the next thing that happens. In fact, Buckminster Fuller was a philosopher of the 20th century, and he said that your reward for doing a good job or getting through learning a lesson is a bigger lesson. And I love that because it's like that's what the struggle is about. The struggle is about preparing you for the next big lesson that's going to come on. And have you noticed in life, the lessons you get are never smaller than the ones before. They're always bigger and bigger and bigger. So we need to be able to say, hey, the struggle makes us strong. It's okay to be able to struggle. And just like that butterfly, flap our wings and get stronger so that we can fly and be uh, the best we can be. Absolutely. Mm. And sometimes that self-compassion is asking ourselves to do hard things. Mm. You know, like you, if you had a friend who was really struggling with their health, you wouldn't say, hey, go and eat another whole packet of Tim Tams and sit on the couch and watch telly for the next six weeks. It's fine. You'll be fine. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> we, would, we would encourage them to possibly do some things that were going to be more proactive for their health. We might say, come for a walk with me. Let's sit down. I've made a beautiful salad. Let's eat that. Or we would do, we would do something active to support them and to help them do the hard things that they needed to do. Mm. And sometimes we have to do that for ourselves too. You know, we have to say, "Come on, let's go for a walk." I'm going to take me for a walk because it's important for me to do that. Or I'm going to, um, you know, switch off the computer early so that I get a better sleep because I'm not getting all that light energy that's confusing my brain and making me think that I need to stay awake for longer. You know, changing our habits sometimes mm. as an act of self-compassion can be quite difficult 
So it's not about necessarily taking the easy option. Sometimes it is about wrapping ourselves up in a blankie, putting our slippers on and watching telly for a, for a few hours, but not always. Mm. Put a time frame on that, I think. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to feel sorry for myself for, you know, X amount of time and then get up, pick yourself up and off you go. But yeah. it's also okay to ask for help when you're feeling like, that's stressed and yucky and you want it, that self-compassion, ask someone to go for a walk with you. Ask someone to, you know, maybe start a salad club at school or whatever it is so that you can have other people in there supporting as well. Absolutely. And that's a huge act of bravery hmm. because we have to step into that vulnerable position of not being in control, not being perfect. Yeah. And, and actually going out and saying to somebody, I need help. But it's a hugely, hugely beneficial thing for us. And the more that we do it, the easier it gets. Mm. And the other beautiful thing is when we ask for help from somebody, when we step in bravely towards that vulnerability, it gives people around us permission to do the same. And so we all actually end up getting the stuff that we need. Mm. That's beautiful. And it goes all the way back to that uh, quote that you said earlier, when you know better, you can do better. Absolutely. So... Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to be able to uh, to affirm in, in your self-compassion journey. Yeah. So thanks, hey, thanks for listening. I hope you can be find some more self-compassion for yourself over the next week. And you know, we are here because what, what you, you do, do matters. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Matter podcast. We are eager to transform the lives of even more teachers and educators. So please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps. And if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to have more resources and information, head on over and join us at spectrumeducation.com.